0: Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hotcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. This time around, we're joined by Trevor McHugh, senior editor at Maze and Blue Review, our Michigan site for rivals at Trevor McHugh on Twitter. Trevor, first off, thanks so much for joining the show. Excited to hear a little bit about uh Caden and, and Eric all on, on this uh, Thursday edition of Hotcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Like I told you, we get this close to the season. I will talk about football with anybody. So that's <laughs> well, not an insult to you. I'm glad I'll talk to anybody. You're, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Excited yeah. to fill the Iowa folks in any way I can.
0: For sure. And we were actually going to talk about this a couple of weeks ago, but then uh, the gambling news broke. So so yeah. we're excited to, to finally get to it. But like I said, what we're going to be discussing today is what C- Cade McNamara and Eric all are going to bring to the field in Iowa city this fall. Maybe some of those intangibles too, with Cade McNamara, of course, we've talked a lot about his leadership so far um, before we get too much into the weeds there, Trevor, what were your initial thoughts when they both committed to Iowa out of the portal, a big 10 rival?
1: Yeah. I mean, not shocked that they grouped up together. These guys were roommates in college um, they were close throughout their time in Ann Arbor. Uh, they were both instrumental leaders of the Michigan resurgence during the 2021 season. And they both were dealing with similar but different situations, which is they had injuries that they obviously, any type of injury and, and a serious surgery, that's a very personal thing. There's a lot of emotion involved in that. And you've got yourself and your family who feel the way they do. And maybe the school has their own opinions or whatever. So it's, it's hard for those situations to not be, again, high emotion, right? So I, I think they both were dealing with those things at the same time. So it, it just made a lot of sense for, for them to stay together. And then in terms of, you know, skill set and just the way they play, they're, they're both such a good fit for what I think Iowa does on offense and, and Big Ten in general. So wasn't shocked that that Cade went to Iowa, wasn't shocked he wanted all there with them. And, yeah, they're, they're a pretty good tandem, and they've been a duo for quite a few years, so not shocked to see them st- stick together I was a little shocked more players like A.J. Henning did make their way over to Iowa if that right but yeah right
0: right and, and I actually have a question about A.J. coming up here we'll, we'll get to that in a little yeah. bit but with with that said obviously coming off that leg injury we don't know the specifics of it yet for for Cade in that open practice at kids day this last yeah. weekend while at Michigan If I'm remembering correctly, I didn't cover the team like you did in 2021. He had a pretty solid offensive line, correct?
1: Yeah, it was the first year they won the Joe Moore Award, best offensive line in the country. So there you go.
0: Now, that's probably not going to happen in Iowa City this year. Uh, And obviously we have yet to really learn what that starting five is going to look like. Coach, Parents after the game said yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't read into it too much as as far as who the starters were a couple injuries soft tissue things so we're going into this first game in September 2nd with a lot of questions especially pertaining to the offensive line and possibly with with Cade's health we'll see how that goes in the next couple weeks but. How is Cade? How does he operate when he's under pressure? Is he maybe deceptively mobile? Because I think Iowa fans are sitting there with their fingers crossed regarding that for sure.
1: Yeah, so I would say the biggest thing with Cade and he he would probably say this as well in terms of his time at Michigan is he did what he was asked to do. So I think there's a lot of things Cade thinks he can do better than he was allowed to show. So I do think, you know, he's not going to run the, you know, RPO right or to take a QB read but we saw multiple times in 2021 at Michigan where if the defense is going to leave the middle of the field open Cade's quick enough to take advantage of that get a first down slide you know protect the ball and and keep you on schedule right so I I do think he's more mobile than than people realize Um, you know I think he's better under pressure the big difference between him and JJ he took more sacks right JJ is going to extend the play and and do some of those crazy things, but that also leads to potentially more turnovers too, right? Or more mistakes. So Kate's job at Michigan was again, keep Michigan on schedule and don't turn the ball over and, you know, let the running game work and let the defense work um, under pressure. Again, he, he can take some sacks, but in terms of uh, turnovers, there wasn't like a big spike like you would normally see. Um you know, in, in terms of his accuracy, Michigan had a lot of drop problems in 2021. That doesn't get talked about a lot, but his completion percentage adjusted for drops was like 76% or something like that. Yeah, so Michigan had, I think it was 17, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I think it was 17 drops in, in 2021. Some of those were Eric All, honestly, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, his accuracy on the short and the intermediate routes always, you know, he he's really good pre-snap. And knowing where he's going to go and it would frustrate Michigan fans a lot because it feel like you would take that safe option or that drop off. And maybe a guy was open down the field, blah, blah, blah. But he won football games, man. You know, and, and that, that was the biggest thing. And especially in 21, the, the, the Michigan culture where it was, you know, it just, that's what they needed. So I do think he can do more of those things. We'll have to see again, bouncing back from the leg injury, like you said, but I don't think you want him to be either. Right. I think you want him in the pocket and in delivering throws and you know the biggest thing with him in the offensive line he does have a little bit of a sidearm so you're going to see a few balls hit the the heads of offensive linemen this year <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> a couple a couple balls batted down at the line by helmets but other than that I, I think he's a guy that can pre-snap i think he already has a good idea of where he's going with the football
0: and you mentioned the the two words keeping well four words keep five words keeping them on schedule math is hard Keep, keeping them good. on yeah, schedule yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh is what he did at Michigan and that's what they're going to ask of him at Iowa 100 percent 100 percent now the issue of going off schedule is a concern because of the offensive line so that's, I think, where that where that question comes from for a lot of Iowa fans. And we also saw him take off, and that's where that injury happened, where he went down, the soft tissue injury at at, at Kids Day in in at that open practice.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not a doctor, right? So I don't you know wanna to get too much into that. But the concern with a serious knee injury like that isn't so much just re-injuring the knee. It's the other stuff that can happen when you compensate. Or it could just be a mental thing too, right? Like him running on it for the first time. We're, we're dealing that right now with Blake Corum, who's bouncing back from a a serious knee injury. And it's that he's been very open about that. It's that mental piece. That first time he really cuts on it and plants on that leg, you know, and then is he going to feel comfortable? So where you get concerned is if a guy starts pulling a lot of hamstrings or calf injuries, and it happens a lot, there's there's a feeling then that maybe that knee is just never going to be the same. And there's some compensating, right? Um, this could just be early in camp too. It's the first time he's, he's been running again. Right. So obviously we hope he's there for the, for the opener and he'll be good to go. He's a tough dude. I have never been anyone to really like the term injury prone because if a 300 pound man falls on you. Like that's going to hurt no matter what. Right. Um, but he took some hits man. And he, he fought through some stuff when he was at Michigan. So he's never somebody I would tag as injury prone or, you know whatever term you want to use for that he's a, he's a tough dude and you know he, he stays out there and takes hits and that's how you win over an offensive line right when when they let you get hit and you stand right up and they pat you whatever you had a great relationship with the dudes up front and I'm sure I'll have the same thing at Iowa I know it's weird Iowa this year doesn't have I mean that's been a strength of Iowa for a long time I think is the offensive line but having all and, and Luke there, that's a great tight end duo. I know they brought in some wide receivers as well. I think he's going to have enough weapons to, to be able to compensate, even if the line's not maybe where they want it to start the year.
0: Now, before we get back to the on-field stuff, one thing that has been a very clear and consistent sentiment regarding Cade and bringing him in is that leadership quality that he brings to the table. Did you see a lot of that at Michigan as well?
1: Yeah, I mean – Harbaugh just recently was talking about Cade and and still brought up the Rutgers game in 2020. So weird year, obviously, with the pandemic and everything, you, you could nitpick all of that, but either way. Michigan was riding with Joe Milton that year and, you know, there was a lot of hype thanks to Urban Meyer comparing him to Cam Newton. (laughs) So uh, yeah, that was a fun deal. But anyway, so Milton comes in and and struggles and Michigan struggles. And there was a lot of things going on at the time. Right. But Cade came out down 17, nothing to Rutgers. And that might've been his best game of his career at Michigan to date. He brought him back and had a pretty viral moment where in the locker room, he was talking with the team and, said, so, you know, what if we went out, huh? And that kind of became like this tagline for Michigan fans throughout the 2021 season, right? Cade was like the only guy with energy at that point, you know, that everybody had really been deflated at that point and Harbaugh was getting a pay cut. It was just a really weird era. And then come 21, him, Aiden Hutchinson, Hassan Haskins and Josh Ross were all instrumental in this turnaround at Michigan, just believing in, I mean, they got mocked for talking about Beat Ohio State or die trying during those spring practices, and there was a game against Penn State where Michigan looked like they were going to lose. And nice little cross pass to Eric All was the winning touchdown. And after the game, Cade said something about in years past that's a game Michigan would have lost, and, and some of the old heads didn't like that. But he was one hundred percent right, one hundred percent right. That was a game Michigan would tuck their tail and walked away. And Cade said no, and they and they kept fighting through it. So you know, they're the split obviously wasn't great. And again, I think a lot of that just has to do with, again, the emotion that was involved. Um, A lot of things that his quarterback coach, I call him little Carson Palmer, (laughs) a lot of (laughs) things that he said were unfairly attributed to Cade, I think. and, And that was part of that. So I think as more time goes on, Michigan fans, again, will continue. I mean, they still root for Cade, but I do think, you know, it's kind of a weird thing going to Iowa and again, the way the split went down, but. Michigan doesn't win in 2021 without Kate. They don't win in 2022 without Kate either. You know, even though he ended up losing the job to J.J. and obviously suffering that injury, um, his leadership is all over this football team.
0: Now, in regards to 2022, when he did officially lose the job to J.J., I'm sure I'm not the only one who, one, covers the Hawkeyes or for fans that that cheer for the Hawkeyes that went – and watch this clip on YouTube that's, I think it's titled, Every Single One of Cade McNamara's Passes in 2022. And he does not look like a confident quarterback in 2022. Tell me about that.
1: I mean, that that is a part of this. Um, he did not look good in 2022. and And frankly, there were moments, even in the back half of the 21 season, that he didn't play his best games. Um, And again, that comes back to what was he asked to do, right? Ohio State, he only has one second half pass, but he was 13 of 19. He connected on a couple really good routes that helped Michigan win that football game. But anyway, I think you can, or at least you hope to attribute it to, Cade McNamara 100% believed he was going to be the starting quarterback for Michigan in 2022. I spoke all off season about how He was saying and doing all the things you would want your returning Big Ten championship quarterback to be saying in the midst of a competition, right? Where, well, do you expect to be the starter? Of course I do, right? This is my team. And he was a voted captain last year, right? Back to the leadership piece of it. So JJ couldn't throw until fall camp. So even though we were having a competition, Cade was very much the starting quarterback in practices and meetings throughout the summer, It wasn't really till fall camp that they started throwing. And Cade had, by all accounts, an incredible fall camp. Everyone said he looked awesome. And I think he believed 100% he was going to be the starter. And then Jim Harbaugh comes out very publicly and says, hey, we're going to have Cade start game one, JJ's going to start game two, and then we're going to pick our starter from there. And Cade had a press conference after that where he was meeting with the media and it was the most uncade thing we had seen. He was now saying things that, I mean, nothing terrible, but wasn't pushing forward the Michigan message, kind of questioned Harbaugh a little bit in the decision. And you tell he felt a little burned and upset that he was going to have to play for this job. First game of the year against Colorado state, he comes out, he's good, not great. And the crowd cheers so loud when JJ comes in late in the second half and JJ scores a rushing TD And he's four for four. And there's just this mood in the stadium. The backup quarterback's always the most popular one on the team, right? But it was really negative towards Cade. And then Hawaii, JJ comes out, throws five touchdown passes, lights out. And everyone in the stadium and every Michigan fan knew that this was now JJ's team. And then Cade has to come out and he gets booed in Michigan Stadium. And throws an intercept. You could just tell mentally. What a difficult situation. So long story short, I know I'm past that because I just rambled for a little bit. I think you can attribute the struggles to that. Cade's at Iowa. He knows he's the starting quarterback. It feels good to have a team believe in him again, to have a team want him again, and and for him to be key to a team's success. I think that can put him in a really good place mentally. So if he's confident in his body and his mind, I think he can go back to what he was in 2021. But when you're just talking about the sample size, it is what it is. He didn't look great last year. You're right. So that is in the back of your mind, and you hope it was just a really ugly breakup with the switch to JJ.
0: And you already addressed it, but that is such a clear discrepancy from 2022 to 2023, where he has been embraced by Iowa City. Kirk Ferentz as well. He is I mean, it was said in the spring before he was a full go, yeah, Cade's our guy. Yeah. Kade's our guy. Done deal. So that level of confidence from your head coach who has been with the program for 25 years, whatever it's been, I think having that foundation, not only of your head coach, but of the city and of the program and the people around you, being clear in a way, the number one quarterback, I mean, you said it. I, I think that's a real opportunity for him to flip it, flip the situation on its head, especially in his own head. So yeah. That's that's definitely a positive for him. Just
1: now- just to double down on that real quick, that's what 2021 was. He was named the starter in spring, and Harbaugh never does that. Harbaugh loves competition. So coming into 21, Cade McNamara was the starter. Freshman J.J. was not going to challenge him. J.J. got on the field in 21. He was too good to keep off. They used a, a little bit skill set, but Cade knew from the beginning he was the starter and it was his team, and I think that's why he did so well in 21.
0: Now let's talk about the on-field product and – One thing I wanted to do in looking at Cade, especially factoring in Eric here as well, is the weapons that he had at Michigan in 2021. Leading receiver in terms of receptions, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know it's it's receptions was Cornelius Johnson for the Wolverines in 2021. Iowa doesn't really have one of those guys. Not that a lot of teams have Cornelius Johnson, but... What you're talking about with Cornelius is a unique combination of size and speed. Where Iowa's got a lot of small size and speed. You I mean you go down the top four guys? You got Nico six ten, Deontay Vine or six ten. Wow, Nico Raguini not six ten, six foot. How do you guard that guy? 6'10". All right, <laughs> Deontay Vine six foot, Caleb Brown five ten, and Seth Anderson six foot. Yeah. When you liken the weapons he had. At Michigan to what Iowa has now obviously you've got the commonality of Eric all but then you look at their top four receivers and the guy who's supposed to be one of those type of players for Michigan was AJ Henning and not only was he not super productive at Michigan in that role but he could have followed those two to Iowa as well and he decided not to so when you're looking at the personnel Kate is working with compared to Michigan and who was his leading receiver. Then does that concern you when you look at Iowa's receiving core?
1: No, I'm going to make you feel really, really good here. <laughs> so okay. okay. <laughs> Cornelius did lead the team in receptions. He had 39. He had a catch rate of 59%. That's not great. Second on the team in receptions that year was Eric all with 38. Right. He had a catch rate of 79%. Okay. So when, and then I'm going to go down the list here. Okay. Wide receiver, Roman Wilson, 64%. Running back, Blake Corum, catch rate, 77. Running back, Donovan Edwards, 77. Asan Haskins, running back targeted, 90%. Where Cade lives is in the flat with screen passes, with tight ends coming across the middle, right? That's where he does his most damage. So, he can throw the deep ball when called upon to a receiver like Cornelius, or we had Roman Wilson, who's more of like a short catch and break kind of guy. But when you go through their top receivers, I think in 21, yeah, three of the six top receivers, one tight end, two running backs. So only three wide receivers cracked the top six. And the again, Eric Hall was one reception away. So the biggest struggle Michigan had in that year was, was some red zone TDs maybe, but like, Andrew Lanthini was a guy that kind of took A.J. Henning's role as being the, the quick guy across the middle of Michigan State. He had a, a couple big touchdowns. Um, but I wouldn't be terribly worried. I think you want to have a like Ronnie Bell type, a good possession receiver that's good at finding empty space when the play breaks down. But if you've got a good pass catching running back, and I mean, you're talking about Lacey and and all comparing to, or comparing to like all in Schoonmaker is what Cade had. You're in a great spot. He's, he's going to love having the tight ends. And again, if the running backs get involved um, I wouldn't be too worried about the wide receivers.
0: Now you mentioned Luke Lachey, Eric, all at that tight end position. Lachey was awesome last year in, in uh, replacing Sam Laporta. I call him Lachey. I, I heard. Yeah. I was going to let it slide. It's no, please yep. correct
1: me. All right. Is he related to the boy band or is that?
0: I, you know, am I I too old for this? I don't know. (laughs) All right.
1: All right. 98 degrees. Nick. Anyway.
0: Oh, Oh, Nick Lachey. Uh, I know him from love is blind. I don't even know what. Okay. All
1: right. Okay. (laughs)
0: Back in my day, he was yeah. into
1: Jessica Simpson and blah blah so, blah <laughs> football. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway Luke Lachey. Okay, got it.
0: Yes, Luke Lachey <laughs> and Eric all at that tight end position, and yeah. they really go four deep at tight end coming around yeah. in in twenty twenty three with Addison Ostrango. and Stilianos is, is a guy that they say they believe in. He was brought in from Lafayette or Lafayette, I believe, okay. uh, two years ago, and so. We had a vote on our, our, our uh, IowaRivals.com, uh, our premium board. We had a vote uh, as to who would lead the team in receiving in in 2023, and the choice was Luke Lachey. Now, my choice was Eric All because he was second in receptions in yeah. in Michigan in 2021. They have that prior connection. There is the emphasis on the tight end in in Iowa City. So, would you project? Eric all to be the leading receiver for the Hawkeyes in 2023, based on what, you know,
1: well, you'll have to tell me with their offense a little bit here. So okay. there are two types of tight ends in the Michigan offense. There's like, your in line, you know, on the edge of the line, on the strong side, more of a blocking tight end that'll leak out. And then there's the Y tight end. He's a slot receiver. Eric all took 43% of his snaps from the slot in 2021. Right. So, he's basically a wide receiver in a tight ends body. Like that's what it is. So that's Colston Loveland for Michigan now. Right. And then they bring in a guy like AJ Barner, that's going to line up more inside. So if, if you put Eric all in the slot enough, he's going to do a lot of damage there. He can also line up like an H back or even a fullback and be a lead blocker, which is deadly because he can lay that first block and then leak out. And like I said, get open in the flat. Saw it a lot in his highlights. Yeah. Because yep. the de- that's what the defender is going for, right? You're you're running the ball so much, so it's it's just such an easy move, and and he's a mismatch nightmare. So, if Iowa uses him like that, I think he absolutely could be the leading receiver. You've got a great problem to have, which is two NFL talented or NFL level talented tight ends, right? So, and then he's coming back too, right? He's coming back from an injury. He didn't play a lot of football last year as well, so. Maybe it takes him some time to to build up and, and get familiar there. But um if he led the team in receiving, I wouldn't be shocked.
0: Now you mentioned the blocking, the run blocking. He's an effective blocker, you would yeah. say. Okay.
1: Yeah, you don't play for Michigan if you can't block first. <laughs> so <laughs> sure. we we've had a couple players at wide receiver too that you know, fans question how is this guy not on the field? He's got all the tools to be a great receiver. If you can't block, you're not playing for Michigan. So, uh, for him to be out there, yes. <laughs> uh, is he better than than Schoon? Or like I said, the guys in line? I don't think so. I, I think his strength really is on the pulls. So if he's in line and coming across the offensive line and picking up, you know, a linebacker coming in, or again on those lead blocks, I think he's stronger there than he is, you know, standing on the line. Um, but again, with 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 Iowa's strength, they'll they'll find a good way to use him for sure in the blocking.
0: Then the next question goes to, for me at least, to the red zone, to the end zone. When you've got a receiving court, like I mentioned, all six foot and under, at least those top four guys, at least that's what it looks like right now. They don't really have a go up and get a guy. They don't really have a guy you can throw a fade to and trust he's going to go up over the corner, over a DB, over a linebacker and grab the ball. Can Eric all be that? Is he that?
1: He hasn't been it yet, and I don't know. Again, now we're kind of like what we talked about with Cade, where maybe there's things he can do he just wasn't asked to do, right? So as good as Eric All was in 21, he only had two touchdowns, and one of them was that long run against Penn State, and I can't remember off the top of my head what the other one was.
0: It was against Michigan- Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> that's
1: okay uh, yeah. i think yeah
0: yeah that's
1: okay what, what what was the time on the clock that sounds like a memorable oh, event for you i don't
0: know like two, <laughs> it was like two minutes left that's it was amazing. just pouring salt in the wound yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: okay oh yeah Fair that's awesome so but i would say michigan's red zone offense whether it was play calling or execution was one of the biggest contentions amongst this fan base uh when they did call a fade, it would go to Mike still, who's now a five foot ten nickel play. You know, he's not even a wide receiver anymore, right? It wasn't going to Cornelius Johnson or Eric Gall. Like you didn't, we didn't see a lot of those jump ball attempts. Um, they'd get in the red zone and really focused on just running it up the middle. And then even some of the passing play calls just really didn't make a ton of sense. So when you look at just on paper his size and his skill set, I would think he could be a red zone threat absolutely i didn't get to see it at michigan cuz they just never really used him that way so i think he could do it but we haven't seen him yet
0: and that's not necessarily something i expect for iowa either they're very much a ground and pound kind of team inside the red zone especially when you get within 5 to 10 yards of, of the end zone so going to be probably default blocking if he's if he's in in those situations now yeah the other thing I believe I heard this from an analyst in watching a bit of his film they saw him they said he was a man beater in when he was running routes and and uh as a pass catcher for for the Wolverine offense but I also saw him beat the zone and find openings in the zone as well so he can be utilized either way and you're, they're going to see a lot of zone in the Big Ten West
1: yeah for sure so again that's that's kind of why I think he was such a big target for Cade was not just executing when he has a mismatch, because Cade's going to see that. Again, I would argue the biggest difference between Cade and JJ was Cade did all of his work pre-snap and JJ was the guy that post-snap was going to be able to extend plays, get creative, whatever. But Cade's ability to walk up and diagnose what's going to happen is elite, right? So a lot of times he already knows where he's going with the football. So if you've got a guy like Eric Hall who's in a one-on-one matchup and he beats the dude you know, whether it's on an out or whatever, is ready to release the ball because he already knew that's where my strength is, that's where I'm going with the football, right? So the only players that were better against man in 2021 for Michigan were Donovan Edwards and Ronnie Bell. So yeah, that's a that's good company to be in, right? The number one receiver. And then you could argue Donovan Edwards has potential to be Michigan's best receiver as well. So where Eric all eats in the zone is the yards after catch. Right. So if he doesn't have a defender on him and he can catch the ball and turn up field, that's where he's a monster and that's where he's most dangerous. So if Iowa sees the zone and they can sneak all into a pocket, that's where he's going to get you those 20, 30, 40 yard plays.
0: Yeah. And for those of you, I'm assuming everybody who listens to Hotcast has seen his highlights from 2021, but go watch them. There's that play against Michigan state that you mentioned. That was that, was that, that was the big, long touchdown. If I'm remembering the Penn correctly. state, Penn state. Uh, you're right. That was on okay. a bomb my... ankle too. Yeah, there you go. So, so yeah, he, he's he's another he's tough got... kid, man. He's got speed for tight end too. I think that's that was pretty telling there as well. Now, Trevor, before we get you out of here, obviously Iowa and Michigan don't play this year unless they face off in the Big Ten championship game. What are your expectations for the Wolverines? Do you think McCarthy takes them to an undefeated season? Do they get back to the playoff? Because at this point, at least from uh, at least from what I can gather from a national perspective, for Michigan, it's playoff, win a game in the playoff, or or more or less bust.
1: Yeah, the, the players would tell you it's Natty or bust. So it's national championship or bust. And, and I think it's easy to say that at the start of the year. I do think if they were able to win a playoff game, and lose to a Georgia, obviously, that would be a very bitter thing to happen in the moment. But I think that's something where they could step back and reflect on later and and say it's a successful season. Um, Look, if you're going to ask me to predict anybody to win or take the field, I'm always going to take the field. right? As good as a roster as this is, which it's the best Jim Harbaugh's had, top five in returning talent, JJ's back, offensive line is arguably better, defense. I mean, I could go down the list. You still need a lot of things to go your way right? And whether it's injuries or the way the ball bounces during a game, maybe a bad call or not, whatever, there's still a luck factor. So look, Michigan's going to be expected to go undefeated, beat Ohio state again, win the big 10 again, and get to the playoff. And arguably, like you said, that next step win a playoff game because you're better than you were last year. The teams ahead of you are replacing quarterbacks, replacing offensive coordinators. Like it's hard to imagine a scenario where everything lines up for Michigan better than it does this year. So that is the expectation, I think, is is natty at this point. It, it's hard to say that. And again, if they win a playoff game, I think they'll feel happy. If they come up in any way shorter than they did in the past couple of years, though, that's going to feel like a disappointment. You lose to an Ohio State. You don't win the Big Ten again. You don't get to the playoffs, something like that. And then this roster, you're going to see an exodus of 20-plus dudes after this year going to the league. So it'll be like a new era kind of starting over at 24. So this does kind of feel like a window closing. This could be Michigan's best shot possibly ever. Is
0: J.J. McCarthy a Heisman candidate to you? Uh,
1: yes and no. I I, okay. I get why he can be. I just think the Michigan offense isn't going to allow him to put up the numbers necessary. Maybe he can add a bunch more rushing yards. and And I don't think they're going to necessarily throw the ball a ton more. I think they just need to improve on execution. JJ's got to hit a couple deep balls that they missed last year, you know, some things like that, but he could break all the Michigan passing records in terms of yards and touchdowns and still be 80% of what Caleb Williams does at USC, right? So, if Michigan's undefeated and in, in the national championship and JJ's the reason why, I could see him get to New York, but I just I don't know that he could put up the kind of numbers that would be required to actually win it
0: it's that same sentiment. You're always going to take the field, right?
1: In yeah, situations and then, like that. Yeah. And just, I mean, I honestly think, you know, Quorum, if he would have stayed healthy last year is, is in New York and maybe he's a favorite Donovan Edwards this year might be the best candidate to, to win the Heisman for Michigan. Cause he could put up rushing yards and receiving and everything JJ brings to the table. Yeah. I just, when you're talking about Williams and Bo Nix and, you know, Michael Penix at Washington and Drake May and like all these other quarterbacks. He's a top 10 QB in college football. Absolutely. But what it would take for him to to, to win the Heisman. I mean, if he does, I'm pretty stoked because that means Michigan's got a national championship team on, on their hands if JJ's winning the Heisman.
0: Right. There you go. He is Trevor McHugh at Trevor McHugh on Twitter. Give him a follow for all the Michigan news and nuggets regarding recruiting, as well as the on-field product for the Wolverines this year, 2023. We'll wrap it up here. We appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Hot Cast, brought to you by Iowa.Rivals.com. If you're not a premium subscriber yet, you can do that right now at Iowa.Rivals.com/backslash subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rate and review wherever you're listening. That helps us out a lot. And if you want to drop a question, you can do it on our premium board or drop that five-star review on Apple Podcasts and throw us a question there. For now, we'll see you next time.